Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Highway One Podcast. My name's Jeff, and thank you for joining me. This podcast is dedicated to all the clubs and musicians throughout Canada. We are all connected by our kinship to this great country, our love of music, and our shared musical experiences along Canada's own Trans-Canada Highway. Signed or unsigned, original or tribute act, this podcast is all about their stories. Some of the musicians you might have heard of, most you will have not. What you see on stage is often only part of the story. Their experiences are real, and when it comes to live music, anything can happen. So sit back and enjoy these tales from Canada's Highway 1. Please be advised, this episode contains profanity, expletives, and cuss words generally used by sailors on shore leave. If it ain't dangerous, it ain't rock and roll. Traveling across Canada and being thousands of kilometers from home can seem a little daunting at times. Don't get me wrong, it's an incredible experience, and one that should be undertaken by every musician and band that uses the word serious when they describe their sound and what they do. That said, it's not without its challenges, and I'd be surprised if every musician who's done it hasn't felt a little homesick from time to time. Bumping into friends and other bands while traveling is a great way to chase those homesick blues away, and I had one such experience on a night off in Canmore, Alberta. We pulled into the parking lot at this bar, and upon stepping out of the van, I hear solid groove and ferocious guitar coming from inside the place. The bar was jammed, and looking to the stage, I see Chris Kolpa levitating, as per usual, with guitar in hand. Back in those days, Chris Kolpa and the Cosmic Crew toured Canada, on average, four times per year. Yeah! Talk about your work ethic. So, it really shouldn't have been that much of a surprise that I would bump into him. They blew the doors off the place that night, by the way, as Chris and the Cosmic Crew had done so many times before and since. If you're unfamiliar with Chris and you're a fan of great guitar playing, then you must check him out. Hailing from Moncton, New Brunswick, Chris is an incredibly talented musician. He writes, records, produces, and plays just about every instrument. He's won two ECMA awards for Best Rock Album of the Year with Mr. Page, along with Entertainer of the Year. He's toured Canada and Europe with Canadian artist Rock Voisin, playing electric guitar, acoustic guitar, and pedal steel. He's also toured Canada with Big Sugar, playing drums no less, just to give you an idea of the level of his talent. In addition to being a fantastic musician, he's a great guy, and I'm honored to have him on my podcast. Without further delay, ladies and gentlemen, Chris Kolpa. It's great to see you. It's been a while, it's been a while since you have seen me, but I've seen you. Yeah. I've enjoyed uh, I've enjoyed your um, your live virtual all request events for the past year. Yeah, well, it, they're, still, they're still going on. They're uh, I know a, they're quite a card. <laughs> well, this is what I was thinking. I, um, it, it's it's not just the songs that you play, which I enjoy immensely, but it's it's that sense of community uh, and the chatter that goes back and forth, and and then you addressing people as they come online and it's like in the absence of an actual live event in this gong show of, of a year and change uh it's the next best thing and i really feel i really feel included it's like it's a great you have a great fan base and it's a great community that you've created so i it's it's wonderful i love it it's well earned i love it 
Yeah, well, thank you for tuning in. It's it's funny because that's that was the sort of thing that was the most important thing to us about doing it was to create that community, and it seems to really have gelled. And what's really interesting now is things are opening up. I'm actually meeting these people who I wouldn't know if I fell over them <laughs> in real life, and they're showing up at the gigs, and they're like, "Hey, I'm I'm Gary, Gary from the show." I'm like, holy shit. Gary from the show. Yeah, man. Like, you know what I mean? That is amazing. That's fantastic. Yeah. And then what's up, what's also happening is that those people are coming to the show and, and other groups of other people. And I'm like, well, hey, you know, Sue and Gary are over there. No way. That's not Sue and Gary. Yeah, that's Sue and Gary. And then these people are like, again, they're just, to me, what's funny is like, because the way we have it set up, I'm in another room. And so I, all I'm looking at is a computer screen that basically Lynn is sort of giving me the Coles notes of what's going on. She's in the other side on the control side and she's scouring through Facebook and then giving me, basically we have it in, in sort of groups like who's online yeah. and then their comment and then their request. So that's all I see. So, you know, I, I'm just, well, I mean, I don't know if you want a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about that participation. I mean, remember that participation. Yes, yeah. I do. <laughs> So we're dating ourselves, by the way, when you say that. <laughs> I know. But so I said, I couldn't remember what the woman's name was. And then, of course, there was a barrage of people on online. <laughs> and then Lynn put it through, and but she didn't put it in the comments. She put it in the people online. So I was like, oh, you know, while we're waiting, Joanne McCall's on the show. Hi, Joanne. <laughs> Everybody. Damn, your head is shit. Lynn had to come into the other side. She's like, no, 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 that's her name. <laughs> I'm like, oh, there we go. Insert foot. Maybe, maybe she becomes a fan now. <laughs> well, that's, that's the thing. I was just so used to because I mean, and it's the wildest thing. Like last week, we had somebody from South Africa on. Yeah, I was thinking tour, you were touring Canada virtually. You're touring the globe virtually. There you go. <laughs> it's wild, man, and it's really cool. And these, and what what's happening is like that communal sense. Like a lot of people that are just completely that don't even know who I am, don't even care, but stumbled onto it, and their perspective is really kind of cool because they're like, it's like we stumbled onto the best house party, and you guys are so nice, and you've welcomed us in, and these people keep coming back week after week, and it's like, hey, you know, so and so from Sudbury, it's like good to see you, thanks for joining again, you know, and what's your request? And yeah, you know, yeah, <clears throat> fantastic, yeah, well thing, yeah, that's a lot of fun, yeah. So things are opening up there. When have they indicated any time that you will be playing live again? I, I, you know what? To be honest with you, Jeff, I've been playing live since May. You're kidding. No kidding. I see one of those things being a full-time musician. I'm you're always one step away from, you know, being self-employed to being unemployed is like (laughs) a very thin gray line, especially being a musician. So multitasking and, uh, you know, kind of putting, Dealers out for everything, so I've always had a consistent uh, house, couple of house gigs that I do here okay. at restaurants. Just yep. doing what I do, what I do on Saturday nights, kind of the same thing in person. So um, I was very fortunate enough that one of the clubs that I worked at, the owner had opened up, and the way his menus are kind of set up, we were running at half capacity during the yellow phases. I was able to play in a corner and still maintain. So I was able to do that which is good. You know I mean? Yes. Original shows, nothing's being booked yet, but, but at least that can keeps me going. You know what I mean? Right. Because going from, you know, two solid tours that were going to take me till Christmas plus filled in with all this other stuff are going, "Ah, we're stopped. Yeah. Like literally, you know, 
talk about uh, the day the music died in terms of live music, right? It, it, it killed the industry overnight. Like, killed it. How many venues? I think something like 85 to 89 venues across the country, Canada, have closed Close. permanently. And then take into account all the guys who were crew. Right. Like, man, all those guys. Like, I mean, I, I, some of my best friends, crew guys, who are like the best lighting guys in the world who've been lighting like Celine Dion, who are like unemployed, working at, you know, Home Depot. You're like, eh, what is Not happening? doing their calling, you know? No, it's such a mess. And it, if you if you didn't know any better, you'd suspect that it was like the hospitality entertainment industry that, that somebody wanted to cripple with, with something. <laughs> it, it really does seem that, that those are the only two industries that, that were the first hurt. And continue to be will be the last ones out. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, and there's no bailout for us. There's no, you know, it's kind of this weird thing. And and yet, you know, I think I saw during COVID at one point the statistics of like that the entertainment industry um, hires and pays out earns more money than than the car companies who got bailed out. You know what wow. I mean? Which is crazy. You know, yeah. you think of how many uh, concerts and everything, movies and like all that stuff stand still. Yeah, you know, the arts and entertainment, you know. It's yeah. Crazy. Well, you know, uh, I have family in the states, and yep. things are quickly getting back to normal for them. Yep. And with everybody getting their shots here, uh, slowly but surely, that I am, um, I'm optimistic that this time next year we will all be hanging out and checking out shows again. And and uh, again, optimistic that when live music does come back. Uh, this will be the hard reset, and people will come back with a vengeance. I'm I'm really uh, keyed in on that. I think that's what's going to happen. So I, I think you'll so. be busier than anybody. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. You know, you can't you can't plan on it. You know, I never planned on a global pandemic stopping my life either. <laughs> True, right? <laughs> so there's that. So you know, you just gotta gotta roll with it, baby. You know, Steve yeah. would said it. <laughs> well, you've got a plethora of stories. So, because you, you, as a full-time musician, you've you've seen it all. Uh, let's start at the beginning. Yeah. Do you remember your first gig? Where was it, and what was the name of the band? Uh, well, uh, the first gig we figured out was um, would have been at a club here called the Esquire. We were the kind of house band, and it was the Cosmic Crew. And it was kind of the first beginnings of the Cosmic Crew. We played every Saturday night at this. And I, when when I talk a dive bar, this was like dive bar. <laughs> uh, but what was epic about it, and, and in those times, this would have been 95. Okay. And so it was still the height, like cell phones weren't around. <clears throat> None of that stuff was around. So people were actually, you had to go out, you know, yeah. to, to, to experience music, uh, anything, art, anything to go out. Right. So, Bars would be full all the time. So on a on a Saturday night, if you went or Saturday afternoon, you went to load in, there was a crowd of people in there that you didn't want to mess with. Uh, <laughs> by the time the night rolled around, it was a bunch of hippie kids, and it was like party central. You know what I mean? Right. So we we did that every Saturday for that full summer. That was our first sort of how you cut your teeth. Home. Yeah, man. Yeah, it was it was a cool gig because, like I say, it was one of those you know. People were puking on the floor. It didn't matter. Just hose it out with a fire hose the next morning. You're good to go. <laughs> what a great, what a great learning experience, though, right? Oh heck yeah, man! I mean, you know, you couldn't get any better than that. You yeah. know, it's like 
it's like the Beatles when they went to Germany, you know, they right. kind of playing those long, you know, four hour sets or, you know, they were doing eight hours, but you know, <laughs> do you remember your first out of town show? Yeah, we were debating that today, Lynn and I, because we both think it was uh, for, because we befriended a band called Smiley from Fredericton. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically we ended up trading them for, they had a gig at uh, the Upper Deck in Fredericton, and it was for Much East. So um, Mike Campbell's show yep. that he used to host back in the day. And so he would travel around the East Coast. So he was doing a, a centralized thing there featuring some bands. So they offered us the gig to come up and play with them. And in return, we had just landed Breakfast Television in Halifax. So we said, well, we'll split the Halifax gig with you if you split this one with us. So our first real sort of out-of-town show as the Cosmic Crew uh, would have been Fredericton at the Upper Deck back in probably about 96. Now, was Lynn in the band from the get-go? Yeah. No kidding. Yeah, she, she was. It was funny because we started the band because yeah. we've been going out and we went to go see uh, Backbeat, the Beatles movie. Yeah. And we were sitting in the parking lot and she'd had her own bands and I was in uh, my own stuff too. And she just kind of half jokingly, but I think kind of seriously was like, well, we should start a band together. After, you know, being inspired by seeing the Beatles movie, the back beat, we should start a band. And I was like, eh, right. <laughs> <laughs> so we did. And uh, enter Craig Watson, who you know, yep. from play and, and uh, many, uh, we, I mean, we've been friends since we were kids, yeah. uh, writing songs together and whatnot. And so uh, the three of us became what would be the Cosmic Crew. Right. How many times do you think you have toured Canada? Honestly, it's so many that I can't even. I mean, with the Cosmic Crew alone, I, I can for sure count at least 15, 16 times, if wow. not closer to 20. Because we literally at one point in our career, it seemed we were doing two tours of Canada, like two-month-long tours of Canada every sort of quarter, I call them, or whatever, like before Christmas, like September to, to Christmas, we do two. And then, or, and then after that, we do another bunch. So it just ended up almost four that seemed to be going through a year. And then that wasn't including the maritime stuff and then stateside stuff. So we started getting our arses down there, right? Right. Wow. We were busy. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever broken down or been broken into? <laughs> uh, yes to both. Oh yeah, brutal. Um, broken into was in Halifax. We because we used to tour before we got our van. Uh, we used to tour. Uh, I owned a Ford Ranger, standard five speed. The three of us would sit in the front, <laughs> and our drummer at the time, Cam Murphy, because he replaced Craig after Craig went back to school. Okay. And Cam became our drummer for a good couple of years right there. I mean, we were the Spinal Tap. The Cosmic Crew was Spinal Tap group with drummers. I don't know what it was, but. Uh, so we used to tour all the way up to Toronto, all the gear in the back, and that us in the front, three of us. And I was the only one that could drive stick. So I was working graveyard shift at the whole Atlantic Wholesalers. I'd get in the truck after my graveyard shift. We'd drive all the way to Toronto, play shows in Toronto, and work our way back, and then I'd be back to work. Wow. Uh, yeah. And so it wasn't until we ended up later on. So that, that truck got broken into in Halifax. And the idiots smashed my window it was standard they moved the truck ahead uh or actually they didn't even move the truck ahead they smashed the window they stole my ashtray which actually had the, the key to start the truck uh and a bunch of change uh 
they went through my CDs and picked a handful of CDs, like uh, Beatles, Sgt. Pepper, a couple of Beatles. <laughs> a little picky. Went, oh, yeah. Like these, and what they didn't know is all they had to do was pop the clutch. And in the back was basically a Cracker Jack box of gear. <laughs> no guitars. We always took the guitars in. But like literally off the back was like a, a long McQuaid PA that we'd rented. All this stuff. And thankfully they didn't. Yeah. So that was that was our break in. Our, our broke down still to this day is probably one of my, it's one of the crazier ones. We had played a show, a bunch of shows in the States at wrote the Sugarloaf. And we were coming back to play in Lennoxville, Quebec. So we crossed the border, and I'll, I'll never forget it because it's the one and only time that we've ever done this, and since then, we've never done it again. But we were actually counting our money. We were like, you know what? For once, I think we're in money. Stupid, right? <laughs> so we're in the sort of inner bit of Quebec making our way to, to Lennoxville, and it's twisty and turny. And I'm actually in the back of my head saying the same thing. I'm like, hey, you know what? Like, we got tons of time. Like, this is great. Like, we have to play tonight, or that night, for the gig. I'm like, yeah, just, this is good. We, we got money. We got time. Life is great. <laughs> and, yeah, was I ever wrong? So I'm driving along, and I could feel this, like, shimmy in the back, and I'm like, what is going on? Like, it just kind of felt like I blew a tire. So I'm like, well, we got tons of time, so I pull over. I get out, check all the tires kick them all they're all like perfectly good i'm like that's odd jump back in the truck start going again it starts to just like shimmy and vibrating i'm like hmm all right and i just said everybody eh, we've got lots of time we'll just take our time and i was coming around this corner making sort of a hinder of a left and no sooner did i get the words out of my mouth and at this time we were driving our van that we were touring in a uh, big old 1987 GMC Vandura van with the full like Starcraft kit. So like, oh, wonderful! Yeah, yeah, this was a beaut, right? So I round the corner left, and literally the the truck hits the ground, and I have no idea what the hell is going on. All I can see is like sparks and flames coming off, and I, we're doing about 80, and I'm trying to get this thing off the road. I'm trying to just anything, and I'm all I'm thinking about is that. The one thing I hadn't changed on it was the gas tank, and I knew it was old. And I thought, you know, as soon as we, and it was dead of winter too, I managed to get the truck over to the side of the road, and I'm just yelling, get out of the van, we're on fire, we're on fire, get out of the van. So <laughs> three of us, all dressed in like, you know, t-shirts or whatever, we're bawling up the road and running away from our van in the middle of nowhere in like this countryside in Quebec. And so I, we get far enough away, I kind of turn back, and I'm like, okay, well, the van's not on fire. I'm like, everybody okay? Everybody is okay. I'm like, okay, great. Well, let's go see what the heck happened. So I get back to the van and I'm sitting there and it's lying like, cause it had uh, uh brake drums. Yeah. So the, the backing pad uh, plate for the bake, the, the, ba- the uh, left side brake drum had been almost like half moon. Cause basically what it did is it cut into the pave. Nothing was left of the tire, the rest of the brakes, the, the actual uh, rotor, <laughs> nothing was, everything was gone. And it only had three pins out of a five-pin system. The other pins had been sheared off. Wow. So, and at that time, I'm like, holy crap. So, we, this was like, so this would have been about 99. So, we had uh, a bag phone, a, a bag cell phone. It's only operation that it could possibly, it was free wire. We would call a burner now. <laughs> oh, yeah, essentially. <laughs> That was our lifeline. It had like one thing it could do, like nine one one or yeah. call a tow truck. 
And so we, uh, I always went with, instead of CAA, I went with Canadian Tire because Canadian Tire, they would tow you 250 kilometers from wherever you stopped dead to wherever you wanted to go. No questions asked. It could be a Canadian Tire. It could be your shop. It could be home. Didn't right. matter. But 250 kilometers. So literally we got them. I, I call and say like, well, you know, send the biggest thing you've got to come get us because we are like down. And I got Lynn doing the calculations on the map because there's no GPS trying to figure out how many kilometers we are away from Lennoxville. <laughs> Turns out we're 239 kilometers from Lennoxville. <laughs> so Jerry shows up with the tow truck, and you can tell he's not happy, and he's going to drive the three of us back into town. So while we're waiting for the tow truck, I literally, Craig was with us that tour, and we, we follow the mark that I've like engraved in the road to see, well, okay, where did like, what happened? So we get to the spot where we actually hit ground and we're looking around and trying to figure out where's the tire i got i have a tire so about 400 yards in a farmer's field there's the the tire completely intact on the rim nothing wrong with it and the brake drum sitting beside it (laughs) so craig and i waddle out into this field and go grab that stuff anyway put it in the back of the truck that picks us up. So we still got a gig to do this night, right? So we're thinking, we just damn near died. <clears throat> we got to get back to this. So we get into Lennoxville, and Craig knew a couple of guys. They had a van like ours. So basically, and he knew, because he went to school there, the bishop. So he knew the, this garage. Take it to this garage. The guys will help us. Because this was a Saturday, right? He had a wing. So we bring it to their yard. And basically, they got our buddies to come back. They we hauled all our gear up, put it in their, their van, drove it to the gig, played the gig that night. Which was the you made it. Oh, we made it in, in states, right? <laughs> Shaken, but not stirred, right? <laughs> and then, <laughs> the next day, <laughs> we're like, so we go to the garage guy, and it's a Sunday, so he's like, well, he's kind of looking at all the shit, and this van, it's like three wheels. He's like, well, how much of the stuff do you have? And we're like, well, we have this. He's like, well, if you can find more of it, um, we'd be probably more in, in luck. So we, <laughs> Craig had his car there for some reason or other. So we drove out to the accident site. You're kidding. We picked up, uh, we picked up everything except for there was a, a push pin that was the sort of pusher to push out the brake, uh, the brake pads and the brake drum. Yeah. We couldn't find one of them. Oh. <laughs> it was so, like all these, it was like, it looked like a, a 747 had gone down. All these parts all over the road. <laughs> I bet. Here you go. Uh, yeah, brought it back to the buddy, and he put it all back together. And he said, "You know what? He said, You're some damn lucky because he said the other side was about ready to go." And the funny thing is, is the only thing we can think of because we had the night before when we were in the states, I had good tires on the van, and the, the van had because it was a Starcraft van. It it uh, the rims on it were like aluminum rims, like pretty sharp looking. I think somebody tried to steal the tires off. It. And couldn't get the van off the ground because it weighed so much because it just had snowed. Yeah. But the ground was still kind of soft. And I, I remember looking at the van going out because I always did like a, a, a once around the van before we took off. And I remember there was like a lot of footprints and shit around, but I never thought anything of it, right? Right. Why would you think anything of it, right? And I just, we, we took off. So I'm thinking they tried to get the tires off. I couldn't get it, just kind of finger tightened everything up. And we managed to get as far as we did before. One of them took off. No kidding. You guys were lucky. And unfortunate at the same time. <laughs> well, 
Because, I mean, we could have, the thing could have flipped over. Yeah. All the gear was in the back. I mean, we were pretty good at Tetris, Craig and I. I mean, we anytime we got new gear, it was like a 2 4 a beer, my place. And it was like, okay, how are we going to do this? That thing, you couldn't, you couldn't break anything out of it. If you tried to get from the front, you couldn't take nothing out of it from the back. You couldn't take anything out. It was booby trapped. It was everything. It was awesome. <laughs> That that's a killer story. I like that immensely. Thank you. Do you have a favorite story from inside the van or in your case bus? Uh, you know what's funny about with us with the van? It was always like it was always this like moment of where we you take your solace and you be quiet. Right. Everybody just kinda did their thing. I mean, I think the most exciting I mean, Craig and I used to play cards and let Lynn drive because the van had like a a table that was set up between the two captain's chairs and Yeah. So we just, you know, let her drive. But this this one night we picked up uh, Nick Hamilton. Nick, uh, well, I got called on a bluff. We got asked to play the ECMAs, uh, the East Coast Music Awards, in uh, 2001. And anyway, the, long story short, there was a bunch of kerfuffles and stuff, and I made some demands. My my demands, my bluffs were, were called. And I basically said, if I'm going to have anybody sing on my stuff, it's going to be the one guy I trust. And they're like, oh, yeah, who is it? I'm like, well, it's this guy in Toronto, Nick Hamilton. They're like, okay, what else do you need? Like, <laughs> so I literally got out of the meeting. I went downstairs and I called Nick. I'm like, uh, hey, buddy, you want to come to like St. John, New Brunswick and sing on national TV with me? <laughs> Nick's, I said, all expensive paid. Are you serious? I'm like, yeah, 110%. He's like, okay. Cool. So sure enough, long story short, he ends up landing in Moncton Airport. We pick him up because we haven't rehearsed it or nothing. I, it's a yeah. random tune yeah. that I wrote with Craig, and we're going to sing it on national TV. And uh, the next, uh, yeah, the next day. So uh, we pick him up. He never had Alpine, so bought a two four Alpine. So me, Tim, <laughs> and Craig sat in the back while Lynn drove and polished off the two four Alpine. <laughs> back. Oh, and rehearsed. <laughs> and rehearsed, yeah. It was, it was tremendous. It was tremendous. He got his first taste of Alpine and, you know, got to rehearse for a bit. Because the next morning we were, like, on deck at, like, some godly hour, like 6 a.m. You got to be there. <laughs> so that's a van one. Uh, the bus one, I mean, we were pretty chill on the bus. I mean, the bus is the bus, man. It's We had a lot of – our first band leader for Rock was in was, was a nut job, and he would randomly, like, grab the EPA intercom system and start just randomly, like – telling us about the sights and sounds of wherever the heck we were in the middle of nowhere, France, or grab his guitar and slightly out of tune the guitar and then slightly sing out of tune from that out of tune. Yeah. And had us always roaring, you know what I mean? Just yeah, yeah. hanging out. Yeah, yeah. It's good stuff. But yeah, I mean, it was always funny with us because we were like always, the van was like, it was like the solace, like just get yourself yeah. together for, you know, because I mean, doing, you know, it 12 hour days of driving. Yeah. <laughs> you were like, it's no snowstorm uphill both ways having had the opportunity the luxury of touring in van and bus what is it that you like about driving in a van that a bus doesn't offer and what is it that you like driving in a bus that a van doesn't offer it's kind of a weird thing because i, I kind of look at them the same way uh, the bus is just a bigger thing and somebody else drives you but i will say that the bus never got old every time i toured europe uh, and we got on a bus. I was like, this is the coolest thing that I've ever, like, it just, it, it never got old. I don't know what it was about it. Um, 
So I, I, that, that for me is that. But I mean, I always love driving the van because I was the driver. And, and, I, and the thing about, too, in the bus, for me, because I've, I, I've witnessed most of my world um, through traveling through the win, window of a, of a moving vehicle. So when I, we got to the bus level, when I was touring with Rock, it was like I used to sat up front with the driver because I was just like, I, I want to see the world like how I'm supposed to see the world. Like that's how yeah. I always do, you know, the road. Here's the road. Here's the scenes. You're coming from the prairies into the Rockies. It, you're never going to see anything like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And every time I did it, it was always the best. When I was driving, it'd be like, prairies as flat as flat could be, and all of a sudden, bam, there's a rocky here. Yeah. yeah. You know? So, I, 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 you know, I love them both. Um, you know, obviously, being driven around in a, you know, a rolling party bus. <laughs> coolest thing ever, right? Right. When you walk out of, out of your gig onto this thing, and I mean, you know, my first runs with rock i mean it was like you know scenes that a song remains the same you know what i mean we had our own bus we we're playing all arenas so you, the bus you kind of get into town bus would drive right into the arena and you get off the bus like some kind of idiot wind and get on stage somebody hand you a guitar and smile and you play a little bit hand it back to him smile get back on the bus <laughs> like went on the lottery for a schmuck like me you know that is amazing yes amazing Having played with and traveled with rock, um, it gives you a unique perspective uh, on French audiences in Canada. Um, first, where do you typically play with rock? And do French audiences differ from the rest of Canada? And if so, in what way? Um, pretty much like with rock, it was uh, our, our heart of it was always Quebec. Mm hmm. And I always used to joke about when we used, because we never, other than Lennoxville, maybe a handful of shows in Montreal, we kind of skipped over Quebec as an Anglophone band, right? Okay. And, uh, but when I started working with Rock, I really realized every one of those green signs, I've been to all those places now. I know where every place in the Gaspé Z is. I know where every <laughs> one of those signs goes. It's ridiculous. And we did every place so many times over. It's ridiculous in Quebec. Um, we did do a couple of tours of Canada, mostly francophone speaking, but it wasn't, wasn't most like his jam was, was pretty much Quebec and then Europe, Europe. I mean, France, Belgium, Switzerland. Ooh. Um, he was, he was Elvis Presley. <laughs> I kid you not, man. Bodyguards, private stuff, everything. Like it, it was insane. I like, I'm telling you, it was like out of the song, it's the same. We had our own bus. We the crew had a bus. We had a 53 footer carried everything. It was a whole city of people that came with us. And, and it was like, we had a, a personal caterer, like chef that traveled with us, cooked three meals a day for us. And not just like, oh, you know, here's a deli tray from Loblaws. It was like <laughs> red, like, you know what I mean? Like full on, like it was, again, like one of the lottery fish, not like me. So, um, you know, for him, like I say, the, the French definitely, those were the, and, and really big in Europe. Mm -hmm. Um, and then as far as audience, I find the French, there's so much, there's so much support for their own where I find it in, in the Anglophone sector. I don't know. I mean, Anglophones do support, but we always tend to look to the States for approval for our own music. I mean, you know, bare naked ladies, yeah. McLaughlin, like it seems like everybody, if you made it in the States, then you got a thumbs up from Canadians. And it was, yeah. all, it's kind of boggled me because I did so much work in, in like Quebec and there were, there were people that we played with. I mean, I played the bell center twice and we sold it out with him. And he'd have these guest stars that were like as big as Jesus. <laughs> and I've never heard of them. You know what I mean? And yeah. they, they, these people were million selling record artists, you know, Eric Lapointe and, uh, you know, all these guys, like, you'd be like, 
I've never heard that name before in my life. And these guys are superstars. You know what I mean? So onto themselves, they, they create an, you know, this own ecosystem, especially Quebec, that uh, they just, they support it. If they, if you get in, you're in for life and they love you. And Europe, especially over there too, like that's the real thing that I found with audiences over there that if, if you manage to get your, your talents into them and they like you, yep. they, they have never let go of you. That's amazing. You do anything. Yeah. Yeah, man, it's super cool. Let's go out west. Do you have any stories from the Royal Albert in Winnipeg? It's funny because uh, I remember playing it. No, I mean, played it every, I mean, I'm sure everybody did. You always, you always made a stop at the Royal Albert every Canadian tour. But uh, I remember when I read Dave Bedini's book uh, and he has like a whole chapter dedicated to it. And I'm like, oh, like I've lived all of that. Okay, that's good. Not, it wasn't just us. You know what I mean? Which I knew it wasn't, but you know what I mean? It's just like this comforting blanket to go, okay, I wasn't crazy. I didn't dream this up. Uh, the first time, I'll never forget, man, we stayed there and uh, Lynn and I got the suite, the honeymoon suite. And uh, what it consisted of was, I don't know if you remember, like back in the 70s and 80s, you'd get those little TVs that fit inside vans or whatever. Yeah. Probably about that big, 10 inch or whatever. Uh, that that was there. That it didn't catch anything, but it was there. And uh, we had a, a bathtub like from probably the twenties that had a ring around it about that thick. <laughs> never been cleaned since the twenties. Uh, and I mean, as you know, like I mean, we you sacrificed everything. You sacrificed the t-shirt to sleep, the you know, cover up the pillow, and you slept in your clothes, kind of like this. Yeah. <laughs> but this the one night that we played that was one of the first ones that just Craig was with us on that tour, so it would have been one. Of the, I think it was the first tour that we did, and. It was just after his birthday. I think it was his birthday that night. It was. So we always had a habit of giving each other CDs and music and booze. So I bought him a big bottle of Southern Comfort. So we kind of we we kind of partied pretty hard that night, and then Lynn went to bed in the in the honeymoon suite, and I stood up with Craig in his room. And I'll never forget it. As long as I live, we were sitting there, and it had to be three four in the morning, and it sounded like the band Alabama was playing five doors down. And I remember looking at Craig, and of course, we both had a pretty good, we were feeling no pain. So I kind of looked at each other, I was like, let's, let's go party. <laughs> let's go watch Alabama, or what, see what the heck's going on. So we start to walk up this hallway, and as we're walking up, music is getting noticeably louder, but what also seems to be getting louder is an altercation of some sort. <laughs> and I get my hand on the doorknob, and I'm about to turn it. And what sounds like a Wild West bar brawl in a saloon breaks out inside, if <laughs> you can hear it through the door. And I remember looking at Craig and I just kind of went, I pointed at my teeth and I'm like, I don't feel like losing my teeth today. <laughs> Suddenly it's a bad idea. Let's get out of here. <laughs> it was hugely a bad. I don't even know what the hell went on in that room that night. And I don't ever want to know what's on that. But that's probably one of my favorite stories because it was just like, what the heck? Like, that's just the place it was, you know what yeah. I mean? You go, to the, you go to the bartender. I remember Lynn saying, this is one funny too. She said the bartender, she's like, can I get a Coke? He's like, you want that on a plate or in a can? <laughs> He's like, I'll take that in a can, please. <laughs> Top shelf place. I tell you That's right. The Royal Albert Royal never Albert. disappoints. <laughs> oh, gosh. No, it never disappoints. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any good stories from the prairies? Uh, I'm trying to think. Like we we used to play uh, Amigos 
a lot and stayed upstairs. And we, we had a lot of good family. Uh, and I remember one of the shows that we, because we'd play a couple nights or whatever, and so, and they were really super cool to us. So if we had like a couple days off, they were like, you can stay in the band house, no worries. So we would do that quite free. And uh, so I remember this one night I was sitting at the bar and uh, the the police had come in and we're kind of walking around. And it was only me, a couple other people in the bar, and the bartender. And uh, the, the police sergeant comes up to the bartender and says, uh, hey, man, you're a little light this week. I'm sitting in the corner drinking my beer. I'm like thinking, what the heck? I'm just like eyes down, right? Start to go at it like as if the bartender owes the, he was like paying off the cop. Anyway, turns out they're pulling my leg. So I start to befriend <laughs> this cop. He's the sergeant. They called him Dr. Death. And his whole philosophy about like Saskatoon was like for the policemen and like the, the, the police force to go out and be present. They were, they were public servants. Right. He said it was never uncommon for you to like, cause I, every time we play, you'd see them walk through the joint. You'd be like, what is happening? Cause it doesn't happen anywhere else that I've been in the world. But like in Saskatoon, it was like their thing that the cops would randomly walk through and say hi to the people and shake hands and, you know, joke around with the staff. Wow. Patrons. Yeah. So, yeah. So I had, you would get staff prices. So I kind of got to be good friends with this, this uh, Sergeant Dr. Death. And, uh, we were playing over like a a Thanksgiving and he and I, he, he liked to play chess. I like to play chess. So we we sat down and I basically remember folding him into a cab at the end of the night. (laughs) (laughs) He gave me the, he gave me this hat and it was uh, on the back of it says, resistance is futile. And I gave him a CD, and he said to me, he's "Good like, trade." He's like, "If I ever see you without this hat, you take me to jail." <laughs> <laughs> so that hat stayed in that van on the on the uh, on the dash forever, <laughs> for fear that Doctor Death would find me <laughs> <laughs> next time you're in Saskatoon. Uh. Yeah. So more about the people that, uh, than the shows. The shows are always rocking, but uh, yeah. That, that always struck me that being in Saskatoon and that, that guy, man, he's hilarious. That's amazing. So um, we're a little bit over in time. I want to bring it back ah. to the East Coast. Um, I want you to pay homage to some of your favorite ve- venues uh, in the Maritimes and uh, promote your po- your um, your live uh, uh, streaming events. Yeah, man. Uh, so a lot of places. I mean, there's so many good places out here on the East Coast. Um, Halifax used to be called a bar called The Attic that was just like ridiculous because it was part of like a liquor dome scenario. So there was like four or five <laughs> liquor <bars>. dome. <laughs> yeah, like you, you know what I mean? It's not the Thunderdome. Yeah. It's kind of like that, but not. Um, but yeah, so you pay one cover to get into the joint and you could see a boom boom room, a blues band, a country band, and a rock band, and, and, and they'd be all playing in different sections. And so you'd get people coming from everywhere. So you, we'd end up with packed houses and turning people on because they were just hungry for music. And if you were any good, they would dig it, and then you were, you know, fans for life. So the attic was always good. St. Andrews, man, the tidal pool. Now it's long gone, but that was one of the one of the heaviest venues, man. It was such a, it was like the back end of this pool hall. But you get 500 kids crammed in there. It was like I remember Craig played the first time with us, and I remember telling him because it was our second time playing, and I said the last time we played here was like the Beatles, like the floor was going crazy and people were just going nuts and it didn't disappoint that that night that Craig played. Cause I remember he walked off stage and ran out to the, cause the stage was backed onto a door that you could go right outside. Craig went in the van. I'm like, are you okay? 
He's like, yeah. He said, what the hell just happened to us? I'm like, welcome to St. Andrews, man. It's, it's a party town, you know? <laughs> so those are some good memories. I mean, Moncton has had a bunch of like the right spot and, and, uh, the Manhattan, which were great killer venues as well that we would do our, I mean, uh, our annual, um, uh, boxing day show. Mm-hmm. We'd come home off the road and do a boxing day show. And then they were just like these epic blowouts that, um, actually part of, one of the shows is up on our Spotify, the Coscopa, the Cosmic Crew Spotify. And, uh, it was just a, a friend of mine was like a hippie dude who followed the Grateful Dead for like a year or whatever and had the, the gear, right? Yeah. And he sat up in the audience and said, can I take the show? And, and it turned out so amazing. And it's just, when you listen to it, you're like, holy crap, we sound like rock stars, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what it was. It was like, you know, five, six hundred people in this like little club and, and it was party. So. A lot of great, lots, uh, a lot of great venues out here. Uh, yeah, and then you know, as far as what's going on, I mean, the Copa.com, and uh, every Saturday for right now, as long as COVID's going on, I'm doing Saturday night. I sit down at eight o'clock, and you can check out uh, my Facebook, and we're we're doing Facebook, YouTube, we're doing Twitter now as well. Um, all those, all the fun forms of uh, of the social media, and uh, yeah, I sit for three hours, take a bunch of requests, people all over the globe tune in and a lot of people that have seen the cosmic crew will chime in and request songs that we've played and uh and then i just take a whole host of other just weirdo stuff and we have a lot of fun so yeah that's on the culpa uh facebook uh, site where the link is you are a human jukebox and i love <laughs> yeah i love your i love your live streaming events uh if you're catching this you gotta tune in you'll you'll enjoy it um as i mentioned it's it's a great community yeah. You're a fantastic player, fantastic right. artist in general, uh, and I really, really appreciate you doing this. Hey, as I've always maintained too, uh, the East Coast is the home of rock and roll in Canada and all things good musically. <laughs> it really, really is, without a doubt. And, you know, hey, I dare another province to prove me wrong, but uh, you've, got, you've got a lot to chew. That's all I'm saying. Well, it's, it's cold up here in the winter times. There's not much to do but drink and play music. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Chris, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate thank it. It's you, so Jeff. good to see you and chat with so you. Thank you. you. Yeah, man, it's an honor, man. I, I really honor to be part of I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Highway One Podcast. You can check out Chris Colpaw on the web at C-O-L-E-P-A-U-G-H dot com or at his Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash Chris Colpa, where you can check him out live, taking requests every Saturday night. His music is available on iTunes, Spotify, and Bandcamp. I'm your host, Jeff Elliott. Theme song for this podcast provided by Dave Viva of Locomotion Music. Everything else provided by me. If you have a tale to tell from the Transcan, please contact me at hwyonecanada at gmail.com. My Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash Highway 1 Canada. Thanks for listening.